Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Cape Sports Now. This is our third episode on Monday, March the 19th. Yep, Am I correct? That's right? Correct. All right. I'm not losing it yet. <laughs> we were told to smile last week. We're going to smile and start this show. Right, so, exactly. So, everybody, uh, welcome back to our show. So, we're wrapping up the winter sports season, heading into spring. Spring technically doesn't start till tomorrow, but that's all right. Don't tell that to the spring sports teams that are going to be out there today. Uh, my name is Steve Dudarian. I'm sports writer for the Cape Cod Times alongside my co host, Matt Goisman. Howdy. <laughs> How you doing, Matt? Um, so we'll st- we'll start real quickly wrapping up the winter sports season, and pretty much last week all that was was Mashpee. Even though we're kind of underplaying that, they played at the Garden. They did. And that was a pretty cool experience for them. Absolutely, it was also a pretty cool experience for me. You know, the press <laughs> they set the tables up right on the parkade there, so you get to walk on the floor. You know, the home of the Boston Celtics, which is pretty cool. Um, this was a great winter overall. I mean, we haven't had a South champion in several years you know this was the deepest run ever for Mashpee this was the deepest run ever for the Nausic girls basketball team that finally lost in the South Finals you know this was a very successful winter and in general over the last few years I think the winter season has not been as strong in terms of producing state champions Uh, but this was a pretty good one if you count you know a couple of track individual titles and some good deep runs by hockey teams you know this is a winner that Cape should be proud of. Yeah, and I was thinking about this last night and too how quickly it happens too. And in the case of Mashpee Boys basketball, mm-hmm. again, I think we talked about this last week. They were playing their sectional quarterfinal on Tuesday, right? Yeah. And then their season ended that next Monday. Yep. All the four games in that span of a week. I mean, that's a lot of basketball and I, just look talking to Mashpee at the end, how do you think they really handled all that and just well, you think it maybe was an advantage for them. They didn't have too much time to think in between games. Yeah, I mean, I think they handled it as well as they could. Every team faces that same schedule crunch, and then with the snow right. further kind of forcing the schedule to be even tighter because they just they had to get in games whenever they could because every two days or so we got a new nor'easter or blizzard right. threat. You know, they did as well as they could, and then they ran into a Pope John team that went on to win the state championship that was – they, I think they were just the better team. They were faster. You know, they were taller. You know, Mashpee's strength, one of them is, you know, Michael Barrows and Anthony Gonzalez for a lot of the season were the two tallest, strongest kids on the team, and they ran into a team that had taller, just physically more present forwards, and so that advantage was taken away, and then the guards kind of ran Mashpee down a little bit, and that was sort of mm-hmm. what it was. And even with that, Mashpee had the lead with about two minutes to go and just – Ran out of gas a little bit. All um, right. And in case you've been down in the snow, you missed out on the result from last Monday. Mashby did fall in the Division Four state semifinals, 70-62 to to Pope John 23rd. Right. Devon Ford led them with 19 points. Anthony Gonzalez right behind with 17. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Mashby had a 61-59 lead with about four minutes left. But Pope John was just too strong down the stretch. Pretty much. And we talked about it off the air. You know, the winner of this game, chances are, was going to be the state champion. And we saw – Pope John went on to beat Maynard Central Mass team, 89-57. Yeah. 49 points for Angel, Angel Price's Spina. 23 of those were in the second quarter. And what the interesting thing, I went back and looked, I think, and you can check there, I think he only scored 11 points against Yeah, Mashby, Mashby held Price's spotted <laughs> to 11 points. You know, the, the one who killed them was Makai Collins. That, that Pope John team, much like Mashby, just had too many different places it could people it could go to for its points. And Mashby just couldn't defend them all. But, yeah, I mean, to hold the kid who scores 49 in the state championship to 11, again, I think Mashby played as well as they possibly could, and they lost to a team that was better than them. 
Right. And still a historic year, just a couple things Without, to run down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they mentioned that plenty of times. You know, Devon Ford, only a junior. He breaks 1,000 points, and then he hits the school scoring record. Yep. Uh, just an unbelievable season from him. The team wins his first sectional title, I believe, yep. in Division Four and um, In boys basketball. In boys yeah. basketball, that's right. And like we talked about last week, a lot of these players got to play at Gillette Stadium for football and then TD Garden for basketball. Yep. I mean, unless you throw in Fenway Park for baseball, I mean, <laughs> you really can't beat that, you know, that experience. And I think what really struck me, and you, you talked about this in your in your notebook item, is or your kind of sidebar one on of my it. things. Yeah, yeah, one of your things is that Coach Rick Bowers at the end is saying, "No, they bought they brought a fifty year old man to the garden." Yeah. He talked about growing up in Maine. And I feel like when I read that quote, I could feel the inflection of him saying that. Mm-hmm. Is that in his heart that meant a lot to him? Yeah, and that no matter what the result was. I mean, the championship wasn't at the Garden, so this was the one and only opportunity anyway. Right. To, for him to have that moment and to share it with a f- fantastic team, I think that makes it all worth it. Yeah, you know, and he talked about how before the game started, I walked around the court because I could, because right. nobody told me I couldn't. Exactly. Because we'd earned the right to be there, <laughs> and I, that was super charming. <laughs> um, uh, something I'd also just caught my note real quickly, too, is that Michael Barris, I think he was mentioning that the lighting was a little different in there. Is it just mm-hmm. the bright lights of the garden? And did you see it kind of affecting different players and take some time to settle into? I mean, it, it's hard to say whether it's the lighting or simply the nerves or the intensity of the competition. I mean, Probably a combination of yeah, all three. Yeah, it's all of the three. <laughs> Pope John was the best team Mashpee faced all year. You know, they faced some good teams. They faced Coasset a few times. Coasset was a strong team. Abington had some strength. They played Nantucket twice. Pope John was the best team they faced. And when you play a team that good, you are going to make mistakes. And they and Pope John made some mistakes too. I mean, so, you know, you can blame it on the lights if you want, but it, it's all of it. It's being at the Garden in this state semis against the best team that you faced all year and a team you have no experience playing. So the actual culmination of basketball actually came yesterday with the Cape and Islands League All-Star Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boys and the girls over at the Highness Youth Community Center. Matt had the story on the girls game. And as you mentioned in your story today, you know, it's just kind of the last game for some of the seniors in that game. But really what stood out were the underclassmen in that game. Absolutely. And that's the biggest difference, I think, between the boys and the girls game. So the four MVPs for the girls were for the lower Cape, a couple of Nosset girls, Avery Burns and Skylar Sanderson. And for the upper Cape, it was Falmouth's Kayla Thomas and Sandwich's Caroline Wilson. Wilson is an 1,000-point scorer, senior. You expect, you hope players like that will step up. But Thomas and Sanderson are sophomores, and Burns is a freshman. Meanwhile, if you jump over to the boys game, of there were a ton of players that scored in double figures. I mean, the final score was 119 to 112. <laughs> um, but of all of them, and there were... Uh, 12 total double-digit scores. Only three were not seniors. You know, you had Anthony Gonzalez score 22, senior. Uh, Cole Houston scored 28 for Upper Cape, senior. Uh, Cole Houston's from Barnstable. I believe he played for Lower Cape, right? Uh, yeah, he played uh, for Lower Cape, excuse me. And then Gage Miller, uh, also a uh, Lower Cape player, 20 points. So, uh, you know, this was a senior showcase much more for the boys, also a three-point shooting showcase for the boys. There were 33-pointers in the boys' game between the two teams. There were 17 for the girls. So I don't know that I always expect that, but the girls actually had more 
forwards that they went to in more of an inside game, which was interesting. Right. And I think what, and we talked about this also last night, it was interesting too because Kendall Carnes, obviously the Capes' all time leading scorer, she didn't play in that nope. game. And I felt like that kind of opened it up for some of the other players. I'm not saying there isn't other great talent, but I think that made the game a little more interesting. It wasn't just kind of a, you know, you throw LeBron James out there and just yeah, a little see bit. how many points, you know, that person can score. I, I think it was kind of well rounded and it, and then exposed the talent of a lot of different players. And we were talking about NASA last year. I mean, they've lost to Foxborough, I believe, right the last yep. couple of years. And Foxborough went on to win the state championship, I believe. They went for it, I think so, yeah. Or in girls basketball, I mean. So just NASA is right there. I mean, and with that talent that they have, I I believe they're in the best position possible for a team that's didn't just win the state championship. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think really the only area where I'd like to see them develop is they need a second post presence with Skyler. And I talked to Heath Teixeira, who was the Lower Cape Girls uh, head coach yesterday and was the, is, is the Nauset head coach. And he kind of talked about, you know, he's got guards. He's got Reagan Meehan. He's got Avery Burns. He has a very good center in Skyler Sanderson. And they just need that power forward mm-hmm. for a player uh, who can be that second low post presence so that teams don't just jump on uh, Skyler whenever they kick it inside, which is how Foxborough beat them, basically. Right. I might be shooting a little bit from the hip here, but you talked about, you know, there was a good crowd there yesterday for yeah. both games. Pretty much, it's hard to tell because HYCC, the bleachers only go back so far, mm-hmm. but you also have the track. Sometimes yeah. people stand up there. And it was interesting because I know time's a factor, but I would think it'd be cool to see some sort of skills competition. I mentioned you three. You mentioned the three-pointers in each game. I think it'd be kind of cool to see who's the king or queen of, of three-point shooting. Heck, you could even go side by side. I mean, really the only difference is going to be the basketball size, and you just yeah. you set it up and just, just like they do in the NBA All-Star game. And I don't know, maybe you can throw in a seven- or eight-foot hoop in there, maybe do a dunk contest. I don't know. It's just, ideas can run abound. There's know. like one player from either <laughs> any of these teams who really can dunk consistently. Well, right. too, Michael Barrows can dunk and Anthony Gonzalez can dunk. So maybe the two of them could have a one-on-one. I don't know that anybody else can dunk <laughs> often enough to make a dunk contest, but if they wanted to play a game of horse, that might be fun. Yeah, I mean, it, there's ideas could you could run wild with ideas. Maybe make it even a fundraiser, just something that sure. hey, I don't know the Cape could be proud of. I don't know if anyone's listening out there who has ideas. Shoot us <laughs> some ideas. I don't know. Maybe we could put something together. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about before the, the winter season, we wrap up there. There were a lot of great moments, as you mm-hmm. talked about at the top of the show. What were some of your favorites in, in like a minute? How could you you know sum up some of your, your favorite things you saw this winter? Sure. So the thing that, that really was kind of amazing about this winter was how many kids hit major milestones. I think we had eight kids score their 1,000th point. And then Kendall Currents, uh, who had most of my favorite moments, she is became the Capes' all-time leading scorer. I was at that game. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Uh, and the her 2,000th point, which I was also at, was really, really cool to see. Kendall's a singular player. The Cape, we're not going to see another one of her, one like her maybe ever. Um, Caroline Wilson's 1,000th point game, which I also covered, was also really special just because I could see how emotional the moment was. You know, there were signs and people holding up pictures of her everywhere. So, countdown, too, on the, on the wall. Uh, yeah, and she when she hit it, I could see tears coming down her eyes. Yeah. So, you know, this... I'm sure it means something to every one of them. Mm-hmm. Caroline, I could tell, really felt the impact of achieving that. Um, and then her team won. I mean, it really spurred her team to beat Marshfield, which doesn't happen a lot in girls' basketball. So that was a really great game. 
Yeah, I was really. I'm going to be really excited to watch Kendall Kearns play next year at Northeastern. Mm-hmm. It's cool to see Molly Ben, a Centerville native, being able to play for UConn and yep. come off the bench and, and get some minutes in, in some games. But I'm really interested to see what Kearns can do at the Division One level. For me, a lot of my favorites came from hockey, and I, I was at the Falmouth Barnstable the first time they played each other in the boys' hockey game. Mm-hmm. There really is no atmosphere like it to yeah. see a packed Hyannis Youth Community Center Super fans from both sides. I mean, you can't – if you're not there, you know, before the game, before the first puck drop, you're not going to get a seat. And seeing a 3-3 tie there for the second straight year, mm-hmm. coming down to the third period with both teams scoring twice apiece, and just a pure raw emotion yep. and the exhaustion after the game, it's it's something you don't see in, in every contest and something that, you know, sometimes we take for granted the the history and the passion that those two programs – you know, put together on the ice. Absolutely. And then, I think that school's rivalry is strongest in hockey these days just because a Barcelona and football pro- and Falmouth football programs have diverged a little bit in their, you know, in how in the directions they've gone. So right. this is where both teams are still super competitive. Uh, and, yeah, you know, at Falmouth Ice Arena or HYCC, it's packed and it's loud. Yeah. And one of my other things, real quickly, was a, was a BMW RR girls hockey team. For mm-hmm. those of you who don't know, that's Bourne, Mashpee, Wareham, Old Rochester. They really need a mascot. <laughs> one of the most exotic <laughs> combinations. Well, they do call themselves a canal woman, which yeah. I do like. They kind of have their own identity. This program struggled over the years, but they really hit their stride this year. They won their opener against yep. Sandwich, which is big for them. Went on to win the Jim Gormley Cup, which is their opening tournament. They won a tournament on Martha's Vineyard. And then most importantly, they won the Canal Cup, yep. their, their annual rather sandwich. They took a lot of big strides this year. They won their first postseason game, which I was at. Mm-hmm. They had to rally. They were down one nothing to Boston Latin with four minutes left, and they scored twice in a minute There you go. and pulled out a real emotional win. I saw that meant a lot to the coach. So kudos to the coaching staff over there. Um, Kristen Alexander did a great job with that team, and hopefully you see that program take strides in, in the future. Absolutely. So uh, let's turn over to the spring. How about it's springtime? Isn't there a song in Willy Wonka? It's springtime. I'm not going to start singing on this show. Right. I can't. I can't. It's, it's too embarrassing. I, I think that's um, <laughs> the producers. There's a springtime song, but we won't quote that. Uh, yeah, there you go. It doesn't feel like spring, but it is. The spring season uh, opened statewide on, um, today. Uh, most of the fields are covered in snow, so pretty much everybody's <laughs> going to be either practicing indoors or in parking lots, but it is technically the spring. I, the biggest story, I think, for the Cape is the Martha's Vineyard girls tennis team. This team is going for its fourth straight state championship, and I'm pretty confident predicting that if everybody is back from last year's team and there's no reason they wouldn't be, they might win it. I mean, last year's team went 21-1. and They swept, which means they took all five individual matches in 19 of their 22 matches of the season. So basically only three teams were able to even win one individual, like one singles or one doubles or whatever off of them. They swept every opponent they played in the postseason, and the whole team were underclassmen. You know, you had Kat Roberts, who was a junior. That was your one singles player. You had Kelly Claren, a sophomore, Hannah Rabaska, a freshman. That's your singles team. You had the doubles team of Lizzie Williamson, a, a junior last year, and Victoria Scott, who's a sophomore. They have never lost as a doubles team. They have won two straight individual doubles tournament titles. And then you have the sisters, Molly and Paige Pogue, who were freshmen, who were also undefeated last year. So they're all gonna if they all come back, there is no reason why they shouldn't win this all again. And clearly Coach Nina Bramhall thinks this team can do that because the first opponent they're playing is Sharon, who was the only team that beat the Vineyard last year. 
and went undefeated en route to a uh, Division One state title. Is that on the island this year, their opener, or are they heading to Sharon? Do you know? I can't remember. No. Off the top I mean, either way. I mean, no matter what court they play on, the Vineyard yeah. <laughs> I mean, are the best, and they, and they know it. Yeah. And to a certain point, and you spent some time with them at the end of last season, mm-hmm. how do they kind of carry themselves? I mean, do they come in confident they're going to win, or do they approach kind of each match, you know, knowing that anything could happen? No, they – they don't play with swagger, but they are very confident together. They are comfortable. They have fun. You know, the the two matches I covered, the state semis in Linfield, it was like 105 degrees or something. <laughs> it, it, it was horrible. It was like I saw a car catch fire on the highway driving up there. They stayed very much composed. They didn't lose it. They were dehydrated as heck at the end of it. But, you know, they, they know how to handle challenges. I think some of that comes from Cat Roberts and uh, Lizzie Williamson, who are the oldest on the team. They were freshmen on that team that won a state title in 2015. That team was basically a couple of points away from getting eliminated in the state semis. So they had a comeback from a massive hole in that. They did it. Then they went on to win the finals pretty easily, and they have just kind of cruised from there. Right. And another team you were talking about, the girls' tennis, was Nosset. I yes. know they have quite a few Absolutely. strong players. They made it to the D2 South Finals last year. Uh, yeah, they uh, they only graduated one senior. You know, almost everybody on that team, Gabby Dodoli, Kelly Carlin, Bevan Burns, Caroline Donahue, Chris Haskell, and Sophia Calderon. So that's basically six of the starting seven, all underclassmen. If they all come back, no reason they can't get back to the South Finals, maybe win it this year. Right. And then on the boys' side, uh, the Vineyard, obviously, yeah, you know, just vineyard. like the girl. I mean, they're not quite as dominant, but they they have a but lot of talent on year. that side. Yeah, you know, they have three back. They have Owen Favreau, Chris Ferry, and Spencer Pogue, who is uh, uh, another one of the Pogue siblings with Molly and Paige. So about half the team is back from next year. That's a team where somebody is going to have to step up and fill in those other slots. Uh, but certainly, last year was a confidence builder for that right. program. It is cool to see tennis on the Cape really expanding, too. I was just looking yesterday. Cam Mazzoni, a DY graduate mm-hmm. last year, going to be playing for Division One Davidson down in North Carolina. So great to see some players make it to the college stage yeah. and continue on their careers. Mazzoni was was really notable on the USTA circuit. Um, and just just great to see someone else taking the step to the Division One level. It's a big commitment, but he's a smart kid. I got to, pre, uh, to mm-hmm. feature him last year in a story, so... We'll see how that ends up, and you know, the more college kids you get to track, the better. You know, you were just following up on Jake Ashworth, absolutely over a, a born basketball player playing over at UMass Dartmouth. Had a so. great season. Um, just, just cool to see people, you know, continuing on their careers and not just passing on for them when they're done with high school. Sure. Um, so, if we want to turn over to baseball, you know, I think three of the big teams to watch in baseball this year: one, Barnstable. They made they got a new coach this year. They made the quarterfinals last year. The player I think that really could carry the team is Ryan Proto. You know, he's going to junior this year. He's a catcher on the team. He was a baseball factory preseason All-American. He has already verbally committed to UMass Lowell, which is a D1 program. You know, and he really was kind of the anchor for that team in a lot of ways last year as a sophomore. He was a captain. Mm-hmm. So we'll see, you know, what he can do this year. But I think a lot of eyes are on him to see what uh, – where you can take the program this year. Right. And I think what's going to be interesting with Barnstable and kind of like last year, the bats have always been there. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of if they can get the pitching because at times last year when it wasn't Chris Holcomb pitching for them, right. they really kind of were in a rut at times. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be what makes or breaks this team this year is finding pitching. Sure. And 
That's and always, the, I mean, the, the teams that go well far are always at any level are always the ones that have good pitching. Um, you know, we saw that with the Cape League last summer. That's that's who wins in the postseason mm-hmm. is the team that's got three or four good starting pitchers, you know, in the Major League Baseball even. So um, what else you got for baseball? Who else well, do you think I, is worth I, watching? I know, well, just speaking of pitching, I know you were you're going to be real interested to see Mashby play this year mm-hmm. with because um, I believe – Mike Frazier is they're in the hole there. So, yeah, so um, they made the South Finals last year in D4, South Semifinals, excuse me. They lost a lot of players. So if this mm-hmm. team is going to go far and continue this kind of basically historic run, I mean, this is the best the Mashby baseball program has ever been over the last couple of years. It's going to fall on Frazier and uh, infielder Zach Landry, who has already signed with uh, Franklin Pierce. So that's kind of where the leadership for the Falcons is going to be. And, but some more people are going to have to step up, younger players who are going to get their first shots at varsity roles, and we'll see, you know, what they can do. Right. And, I mean, if you're Mashby, you've got to have the opinion of, you know, why not, why not us? Mm-hmm. In, in so many sports this year, Mashby, a lot of these same athletes have, have competed at the high level. Yeah. They already know what to expect when you get there. And I know it's a different sport and everything like that. Things kind of change, but – We've noticed with Mashby over the last two seasons, they really are calm under pressure. They don't, mm-hmm. no stage is really too big for them. Yeah, and and I think in baseball and sports, it's a thinking, it's a thinking game. You need, you need to have that that center, that balance. And I think for Mashby, that that's a big thing for them. And there's a thing coaches talk about about knowing how to win, and it's a little cliched, but it is true that you do have to know how to keep your focus when you have a lead to not get complacent, to not start making mistakes. And Mashby as a team, as a school, has produced a lot of athletes who know how to do that, who know how to set, you know, challenges for themselves and maintain their focus and their attitude during a game when they're up, when they're down. You know, with the basketball team, the uh, phrase was always weathering the storm, which is reacting to the runs the other team makes. Uh, and, we'll, you know, I, I expect that will translate over to baseball. Right. Couple of new managers too, uh, Mark Mark Bonavita taking over for Barstable, mm-hmm. and for SJP uh, Mark Santos, which was a bit of a surprise for both of us. You know, the athletic director over at SJP stepping down. He, I mean, helped lead the team to two state championships. He created in that program. He really basically. did create that program. So just different to see that program under new leadership. And uh, I don't know if you got a chance to kind of catch up with SJP at all, or just. I'm going to be going out there later this week to talk to the new coach. I mean, Mark Santos steps away. A lot of it is. His son, Matt, plays for Amherst College, Mm -hmm. and Matt is going to be a junior this year and is finally going to get a real chance to play, whereas he hadn't played very much at all in his first two years. And I think uh, Mark just wants to get a chance to see his son play baseball with a little more regularity than he would as the head coach. Right. And then real quickly, we'll see if Upper Cape can follow up on historic season last year, making it to the Division Division IV South Finals. Finals and playing in Brockton. They had a great season. And, you know, looking at this team, it, it's hard to replicate that success because it was so surprising for for so many because, what, they were a seven seed, I think, coming into the tournament. Yeah, they weren't. expecting high... them to go very far, and they ended up in the finals. Yeah, they that was – Upper Cape had a terrific run in multiple sports last year, and then a lot of really talented seniors from multiple sports graduated. We saw what happened with the football team without – basically all their starters last year, mm-hmm. uh, namely David Coakley, who was their quarterback and was also a really sen- uh, essential part of the baseball team as well. So, you know, it's who's, who comes back from last year and who steps up. That's always the question, especially with baseball, when you need 
to fill nine or ten spots. Right. Let's make sure we get through everything here. So on yeah. softball side, I know the team we're both excited to see is Monomoy this year. I Absolutely. Think we both got to cover them a little bit last year, multiple games. Mm -hmm. This is a real fun team to watch. They only lost four seniors this year. But most impressively, they have back Molly Cheres, a yeah. sophomore pitcher who was just lights out in so many games last year. Yeah, her numbers as a freshman last year as a pitcher, she was 18-3 and with a 0.94 earned run average, 203 strikeouts in 126 innings, just a batted 672 with 31 runs and 20 RBIs. She was a preseason softball factory All-American this year. She went down to a big tournament of theirs about a, a month or so ago. Mm -hmm. She is really, really good, and the fact that she's just a sophomore means she could be getting better. I think she is a player that is getting some D1 interest or certainly some collegiate interest, and I think that is definitely, you know, the Sharks made the semis last year in D3 South. I think they're absolutely the team to watch in softball and this spring. And I think what's most impressive about Charest is her composure. I mean, mm -hmm. after the game, she's all smiles, but even during the game, it's pretty she's much focused, the same. Yeah. She's focused, but she looks like she is having fun out there. She's very locked in. And I'm really excited to see, you know, as another year, how much more effective she can be. And Monoway made it all the way to the Division Three semifinals, yep. lost to West Bridgewater as a tough end of their season. But I think it's pretty safe to say I think they can make another run. I think and so. And even go even farther this year. Yeah. Um, we'll touch on the other sports briefly. Speaking of Monomoy, girls golf. We didn't have any teams from make the state tournament last year, but Monomoy's Maddie Leonard and uh, Christina Thimmy from St. John Paul both made it as an individual. So we'll see if they can get back there or maybe even lead their teams to it. Monomoy did make state a couple of years ago. Um, in track, not you have two players, one from Nauset, one from Dennis Yarmouth, both coming off individual state championships in indoor season. Madigan Nobly, a Nauset senior, won the indoor one mile in division four in the winter. She was second in the outdoor one mile last spring. So she is definitely one athlete to watch in track and field. And from DY, Tiana uh, Bazzi, another senior, she was the indoor state shot put champion in uh, division four this winter. And last spring she was fourth in the shot put and the discus in division three um, uh, last spring. You know, DY has always had very strong field event athletes, shot put, discus, et cetera, mm -hmm. and Tiana is looking to continue that. So we have two people coming off individual winter state championships, indoor state championships, and we'll see if they can continue that success in the spring. Yeah, DY is not quite the three-headed uh, attack that they had No, last they lost year, but... two, but she is really good. I right. mean, she is probably going to wind up play, doing and track and field in college. And she has unfinished business yeah. for outdoor, too, to finish strong there. Absolutely. And then on the cross, real quickly, I'm actually heading over to Sandwich today, and, and you didn't hear Matt stutter. There's actually a lot of people out there who are going to be practicing not on the fields today. I'm going to be at Sandwich. They're saying they're going to be in their parking lot today practicing. A lot Better of people like Nasset are going to be indoors. Monomore is going to be indoors. So even though it's limited, it's still, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement for the coaches and a lot of excitement for the players to get out there and play their final sport. You know, when you're a student, you get it spring, you kind of, you see the finish line for the school year, at least yep. come into view. So absolutely. I think a lot of people you know, really enjoy their spring sports because it's just a way to for seniors to spend one last experience with their classmates. And like I said, for, for everyone else, they're just trying to look for the end of the school year, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think Jane Early is a really good example of that. There's a Falmouth Academy senior, girls lacrosse. She is the school's all-time leading scorer. She has scored 342 goals. She is a three-time Cape and Islands League MVP. 
She is going to play for Middlebury next year. She was verbally committed to be Boston College and then decided she wanted a, a smaller, more intimate kind of educational experience. So she dropped down to D3 to Middlebury, uh, where her former teammate Eliza Van Voorhis plays soccer. So I'm guessing that maybe also had some small role. Right. You know, Falmouth Academy, they made the, semi, the South D4 semifinals last year. I think Early would love to finally get past that because she plays basketball and they never have gotten past the semis either. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a challenge, you know, just like we saw kind of FA not be quite as good as they were last year in girls basketball. I think the same risk is at in place for uh, girls lacrosse, right. but Early is a singular talent and she wants to wrap up her career in style. Right, and it's one of these things, especially in the sport of lacrosse, you're only going to go as far as your best player takes you at a certain point because you've seen in these these quarterfinals and semifinals, when you get against the best, they know how to shut down mm-hmm. your score. And then then at that point it becomes, you know, all right, who else can step up and maybe score right. goals? And that becomes really difficult when you face a team with a smothering defense. Right. So well, we'll see what happens. I mean, anything can happen. We were talking about Falmouth Academy. They should run the table in the Cape and Islands League. I would expect. But even last year you saw that St. John Paul gave them a great challenge in two games. Mm-hmm. So you never quite know if there's a team that could sneak up on them. And, and they can't go into each game thinking it's going to be a runaway because we've seen times where, hey, teams get caught off guard and they might recover, but – wasn't as easy as they thought it was going to be. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Jane Early is um, if she takes the majority of draws for Falmouth Academy, which is kind of how girls lacrosse always starts, is with the draw control. Mm-hmm. I've seen them play with her in the circle, and I've seen her start outside of it and be kind of the first to touch the ball after the draw. So if they can develop a second person who can do that, that would definitely definitely help uh, mm-hmm. their team. I think that just about does it for now. Yeah, it's going to do it on episode three of Cape Sports Now. Uh, Be sure to check out capecottimes.com slash sports or check out the print edition of the Cape Cod Times every day for, you know, we're going to be covering all of this. We're going to be covering all the preseason stuff we can. And then, you know, in about a week and a half, we'll be getting into games, weather permitting, and we're all looking forward to that. Uh, My name is Matt Goisman. You can find me on Twitter at at Matt Goisman CCT. That's M-A-T-T. G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. And I'm Steve Dardarian, and you can also find me on Twitter at at Steve underscore Dardarian. That's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. Matt, we'll see you next week. Absolutely.